Live by every word. That is the challenge and the opportunity the Bible gives to you. This program examines the actual words that have proceeded out of the mouth of God Himself so we can use them to guide our paths and live by them in our everyday lives. This is Live by Every Word. Thanks for joining me today here on Live by Every Word. This is Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG. I'm Dwight Falk. We're also online at kpcg.fm. We have a live link at thetrumpet.com as well. And again, this is Live by Every Word. If you can't catch this uh, program live, you can always get the podcast there at thetrumpet.com and kpcg.fm, and we appreciate you listening uh, to us in those different locations. And of course, the podcasts are available for all of the programming here on Trumpet Radio. Well, in this program, of course, we discuss the Bible, and we talk about many biblical truths that people will often make false assumptions about. You know, there's an idea that maybe is common, and yet there's a false understanding or a false assumption about it, and so we look to clear that up looking at the Bible and looking at God's words. And one of the things that people are very familiar with and yet have major misunderstandings about is Christ's sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. That's something that's very well known throughout the Christian world, as it would be called. People talk about that a lot, and yet there's a lot of misunderstandings about what Christ did, why he did it, God the Father's role in it, man's role in it. So many misunderstandings about it, and yet because it is such a common thought and idea, that being the sacrifice of Christ, it's easy for people to assume that they know. They know what the Bible teaches about it, and yet, again, there are many false assumptions. So we need to understand the truth of God, and we need to understand the truth of God in relation to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about the sacrifice of Christ today a little bit and begin to discuss this topic. Let's look at John 19 and verse 30. John 19 and verse 30. We have some Bible passages to look at today, so if you have a Bible handy, please get it out. We'll look at these together. John 19 and verse 30. It says, When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, and this is talking about him being uh, crucified, it says, He said, It is finished. And he bowed his head, and he gave up the ghost, as it says, or he died. And so here Christ says, it is finished, and then, of course, he died. What was finished? See, some people say, well, Christ did everything. He paid the price for sins, and, and all a person has to do is confess the name of Christ, and that's it. That's that's the whole the whole picture. And that's where there's a big misunderstanding. You know, we could assume all sorts of ideas about what Christ meant when he said, it is finished, but we need to look and see what the Bible says about it. What did Christ mean? Let's look at some other passages to understand what Christ meant when he said, it is finished. Notice John 4 and verse 34. John 4 and verse 34, Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, speaking of God the Father, and to finish his work. And so what was finished? Well, notice this quote. This is from the Herbert W. Armstrong Bible Correspondence Course. It's a free course, and it's at thetrumpet.com. Please sign up for it if you have not. It says, Jesus came to accomplish a specific job, 
the Father's work. That work included the sacrifice of his life as our Passover to pay the penalty of our sins. It included that. That was a major part of it. But the death of Christ did not finish the plan of salvation. We have to understand that. The death of Christ did not finish the plan of salvation. There was much more work for Christ to do on our behalf after he was resurrected. And there's our part to play in it as well. But Christ still has more work to do, yet when he was crucified, that part of his work was finished. Notice 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17. 1 Corinthians 15 and verse 17, Paul, writing here, says, And if Christ be not raised, if he's not resurrected, he said, Your faith is in vain, you are yet in your sins. And the Course notes, Yet in your sins, it quotes that. It says, Without salvation, Christ's sacrifice alone is not all that is necessary for salvation. That's not the end of the story. There's more to it. There's more to the plan. That's a major part of the plan. It's the beginning of the plan of salvation for mankind. It's not the whole plan. Notice Romans 5 and verse 10. Romans 5 and verse 10, hitting a few passages here to see what God says about the sacrifice of Christ so we can understand it better. It says, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled, We shall be saved by his life. So Christ had to be resurrected. He had to live. He has to, and he is alive now, of course. We're reconciled to God the Father by his death, but we shall be saved by his life. And we really need to understand what Paul was talking about here. What was Paul talking about? The Correspondence Course says, The death of Christ, the shedding of his blood, paid for our past guilt, but we shall in the future be saved, that is, inherit eternal life by Christ's life, by the power of the resurrection. The truth is that Christ's death is in reality the beginning, the very first step in God's great master plan. See, Christ's sacrifice is, as it says there, that first step, and it's an essential one and a vital one. But it's the first step. It's not the whole plan. Christ didn't do everything for us. We have our part. We've got to be repenting and changing, right, as we read there. The shedding of his blood paid for our past guilt. When we repent of a sin, in other words, we we admit it and we change and we stop doing it, then Christ's shed blood pays the penalty for that. If we just continue living in sin and we just keep doing the same sins over and over and we never repent, there's no forgiveness there. Now, of course, God's merciful, and he knows it takes time, and we do stumble as we go, and we can go back and keep, keep striving to repent and to change, but we do have to be repenting, and we have to be growing and developing the character of God and overcoming problems and sins in our lives. I mean, look at how hard Christ worked to overcome sin. He, he resisted sin, and he was perfect in doing so, using God's Spirit to do that, but he resisted. He had to sweat blood. He prayed to the point of sweating blood. So that's something that's uh, very rare, of course, to be that focused and that determined and working that hard and struggling that hard against sin. And Christ did that. I mean, he showed us. He set a pattern for how hard we have to fight against sin. 
he was perfect and he obeyed God, but he really, really fought that fight and he did it perfectly, using God's Spirit to do so. And so that sacrifice of Christ is that first step, but it's not the whole plan. And when people falsely assume that Christ's sacrifice is the end of the plan of salvation, you know, if that's it, and then they're missing this vital step of repentance, then what do we have to do? You know, they'll say, well, just confess Christ. Say that, you know, we, you know, you accept his sacrifice. Is that enough? Is that it? No. No, it's not. We have to repent. We have to do our part. Christ's blood, the shedding of his blood, paid for our past guilt. And then, with Christ living in us through the power of God's Spirit after baptism and the laying on of hands of God's ministry, then we use God's Spirit, and we, we work and we use it, and we, we overcome and we conquer sin, and we really grow. And when we repent, then Christ's shed blood is applied, and we are, you know, have those sins forgiven, but then we move forward to not sin again, and we keep struggling and keep working. And it's a process, but, but we have to keep in that process and keep working. Notice this quote. This is from The Incredible Human Potential. It's a free book at thetrumpet.com. It's written by the late Herbert W. Armstrong. Of course, the correspondence course is named after him and the work that he did with that. But he wrote this in The Incredible Human Potential. He said, if man sinned as all but Jesus have, he's talk, he's talk, let me just set this up here a bit, he's talking about God's plan and how God is working to recreate himself through mankind, and so that's what he's referring to here. He says, if man sinned as all but Jesus have, it could thus be possible for him to repent, to turn from sinning, and to be reconciled to God, and to live God's way of life. In other words, to turn to the government of God, accept its rule over his life, accept Christ as his Savior and coming King. We have to accept that, of course. It says, and he, Christ, would qualify to reestablish the government of God on earth. And Christ did that with his sacrifice, his perfect sacrifice that he and the Father made. Right? It, it becomes possible, then, for man to repent and to change. But as Mr. Armstrong wrote there, that's to turn away from sinning, to be reconciled to God, and to live God's way of life. We go forward to live God's way of life. And that means submitting to God's government, accepting God's rule. Christ set a perfect example of that. He perfectly submitted to his Father. And it wasn't always easy. I mean, he submitted up to death and through that death process. Perfect submission. It wasn't easy but he submitted to his Father's will. And we have to do the same. We're learning to do the same thing, and Christ living in us through the power of God's Spirit empowers us to do that if we're baptized again and if we're working in that direction. Notice this in Hebrews 2. What is Christ doing today? You know, Christ's sacrifice isn't the end of it all. It's the beginning. What is Christ doing today now? Well, as we'll see here in Hebrews 2, he is also now become our perfect high priest. Hebrews 2, verses 17 through 18. It says, Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. So Christ was, he was the word. He was eternal. He was with 
the God who became the Father. They were companions forever, and all things were made through him, as the Bible shows. And yet he gave up all of that to be born a human being. Talk about humility. He gave all that up to become a human being. It says, Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. We're reconciled to the Father by the sacrifice of Christ. Verse 18 says, For in that he himself has suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He's able to understand what we go through in this human existence because he lived a human existence as well. He knows what it's like to be tempted in all points. Any temptation, any trial, any test that you go through, Christ knows what that's like. He went through it perfectly. He never sinned. But he knows what it's like to be tempted. He knows what it's like to feel pain. He knows what it's like to go through those things. He knows what it feels like to be betrayed. He understands all of that deeply. And so he's our perfect high priest today. He's a faithful high priest to us. He's merciful, as it says, and faithful. He has mercy on us. He knows we're weak. He knows we struggle. And he's there to help us if we'll go to him and if we'll go to the Father and we'll ask for that help. That help is there. And so it's vitally important that we do have that help that we need. Notice this from uh, the booklet on Hebrews. This is written by Mr. Flurry, the uh, editor-in-chief of The Trumpet, uh, and uh, trumpet.com, and, and he wrote this booklet on Hebrews, and notice this quote. It says, Because Christ became a man and was tempted as we are, he can now help us when we are tempted. He knows what carnal nature is like, and he knows how to save you. It's powerful. He knows what carnal nature is like. He knows what it's like to be a man, be a human being. He understands that, and he knows how to save you. It says, when you have problems, Christ deals with you individually. If you bog down or get into trouble, he is right there with you. This is a family. He's talking about, of course, those that are in the body of Christ, and they've, they're part of that God family today in embryo in, in the church. He says, no parent just forgets his or her child when the child is suffering. A parent jumps to save that child save that child. And God the Father, it says, put Christ into this priestly role, and he is right here helping you. Only you can stop that. If you are doing your part, there is no way he is going to lose you. You cannot fail. Christ will see to it personally. He will never let you fall. See, Christ's sacrifice is the beginning. It's not the end. Christ is working today as a high priest, a perfect high priest, for the people of God, and he knows exactly how to help us, how to work with us, how to encourage us, how to give us the gentle correction that we need. He does all of those things for us, and it's because he was a human, and he went through human experiences. But he's doing a lot today. To just to just focus on only the sacrifice of Christ and, and not understand what that all includes, you know, people really, they, they don't understand the fact that man has to be repenting, 
and living by the Word of God. They don't understand what Christ is doing today. Right? There's a lot of things that people don't understand if they just think Christ, well, did it all for us, and that's it. We move on. Just confess his name. No, that's the beginning. Christ's sacrifice was the beginning. And then we have to move forward, and we have to live like Christ lived. And we can be forgiven of our sins and our mistakes because of Christ's shed blood. And we move forward then to develop the character of God, to live like Christ lives, through the power of the Holy Spirit, and then ultimately we're saved by his life. We're resurrected into the God family. See, it's just the beginning of this plan. That's why Passover is the first first beginning part of the Holy Days. Passover is the beginning of that, because God's Holy Day plan, of course, it takes us from the beginning to the end of God's plan of salvation, and it begins at Passover. Mr. Fleury went on to write, Most of Christianity pictures Jesus Christ as a dead Savior, But Christ is alive. He has power. He is working right now, doing everything he can to bring God's begotten sons into the God family or the kingdom of God. Today, Christ is using his very elect to warn and teach the gospel to the world as a witness. And you can look at that in Revelation 10 and verse 11 and Matthew 24 and verse 14. Experience, he says, has taught us that if your heart is not in God's work— You don't grow spiritually. As you read this, sons are being prepared to help God bring all human beings who have ever lived into his family, if they fervently desire it. See, God has this great master plan, and it includes all of mankind, and he's working directly with his first fruits today. Every human that's ever lived needs the sacrifice of Christ, but we have to see the totality of that plan. It doesn't end with Christ's sacrifice. That's a beginning. And then we move forward to obey God, to follow him, to live by his word, to let him rule us, to do his work. See, the false idea that Christ's crucifixion is the end of God's plan of salvation, it blinds people to the truth that, one, mankind needs to repent and continually obey God. We have our part to play, and we have to have God's spirit to do that. But then we've got to do our part in it and go seek God and draw close to him and strive against sin and call out for the help we need. We also need to understand that Christ is alive and he's active in the lives of his obedient people today. You know, Christ is the head of his church and the father is the head of the family. Christ directs and Christ leads and we have to be attuned to his leadership We have to follow God's will. And, of course, God the Father and Jesus Christ are in perfect harmony. God the Father is at the the top of the family, and then Christ, and then the bride of Christ, and it goes from there. But we have to understand that Christ is alive and active in the lives of his obedient people today. We We can't obey God properly unless we have Christ really guiding us and directing us through the power of his Holy Spirit, God's Holy Spirit, and living in us. And we have to understand, too, that salvation is a process that is only completed upon resurrection into the kingdom of God. Salvation is a process that is only completed upon resurrection into the kingdom of God. We have to keep working. We have to keep striving. We have to keep growing. And that process of salvation will be finished when we're born into that kingdom of God. 
So we have to understand that Christ's crucifixion is not the end of God's plan of salvation. It's the beginning. And to understand more about God's plan of salvation for mankind, a great booklet is the Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days Witch Booklet. It walks us through those holy days and shows us what God's plan is. God's plan of salvation for mankind is revealed and rehearsed every year, step by step, through the keeping of the annual holy days. You can get that book. It's free at thetrumpet.com. And again, please sign up for this free correspondence course as well. That's all the time we have for this edition of Live by Every Word. Thanks for spending some of your time with me today. I'm Dwight Falk. Until next time, let's all strive to more perfectly live by every word of God. You've been listening to Live by Every Word on Trumpet Radio 101.3 KPCG and online at kpcg.fm and thetrumpet.com.